Welcome to this disciple-making podcast, teaching kingdom principles to build a prevailing church and to build you as a prevailing follower of Jesus Christ. Our theme today is how to read the Bible for all it's worth. The Bible is God's love letter to you. And everyone who loves Jesus loves his word. As followers of Jesus Christ, it's important for us to not only read the Bible consistently, but to read it for all it's worth. And the purpose of this podcast is to help you read it for all it's worth. Now, while the Bible is more than literature, it is the word of God. It's always beneficial to read and study the Bible as you would other literature. The Bible is brilliantly written. It includes comedy and tragedy, poetry and prose, songs and laments. It contains world history that goes back as far as the creation of the world and effectively describes both the nature of God and the nature of humankind. So I want to give you, and there's, we're going to cover a lot of ground in this one podcast. It's fast moving, would encourage you to take notes, follow along with the notes that are provided for you digitally along with this podcast. But here are five practical tips to maximize your Bible reading. Number one, and I'm gonna read, I'm gonna give you all five and then we're gonna go back and look at them. So five tips how to maximize your daily Bible reading. Number one, read interactively. Think about what you're reading. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Second, read prayerfully. The Bible is your prayer book, and we're going to learn about that. Three, read obediently. Keep reading until you find something to do, to act on. Four, read affectionately. As we mentioned, the Bible is God's love letter, and he wants to express his love to you. Number five, read voraciously. Healthy people are hungry people. And uh, voracious appetite leads to voracious, appetite for God leads to voracious Bible reading. Now, let's go back and review these five. Number one, read interactively. When I read the Bible, I read with three different color pens, red, black, and blue. They're easy to find in any store, and I would encourage you to read ballpoint pens so they don't bleed through uh, the paper in your Bible. But here's what they represent. Red represents the promises of God, things God promises to do for you. And, And mark them in red, and you will be amazed at how many verses you will underline and mark in 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 red ink. And these are all ways that God wants to show you just how much he loves you, the things he promises to do for you. Black are the promises of God. I'm sorry, are the commands of God. And when you read them, you you will see that throughout the Bible, God gives you things to do. Why? Because he wants to give you ways to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And the Bible is full of, of commands. Then blue is for general information or things that are worth remembering. 
But let me just show you something about the promises and the commands. So often the, the promises and the commands go side by side. So um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now that is a command, draw near to God. And a promise, he will draw near to you. So the, the first part you underline in black, the second part in red. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, that's black. Rely not on your own understanding, that's black. In all your ways acknowledge him, that's black. And he will direct your steps, that's red. Ask, that's black. And you will receive, that's red. And, and, and this pattern, and what you see here is there's an interplay between what God wants you to do and what he promises to do for you. And it goes back and forth. And so the, the commands are ways that you can express your love to him. And the red are ways he's expressing his love to you. So it's, it's this back and forth love relationship that God wants to establish in you as you interact with the Bible. Uh, second, read prayerfully. Whether or not you're actually kneeling when you read, sometimes I like to read the Bible on my knees just to give me that, that sense that I'm reading it prayerfully. The promises, what we just talked about, everything that you mark in red, all of that is, is worth praying. And, and the, the Bible truly is your prayer book. And the more you learn to pray it, the more you'll pray in the Holy Spirit because the, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. A third, read obediently. When I was in college, I began this pattern of I don't quit reading the Bible until I find something to do. Because the Bible warns against knowledge without obedience. Uh, the, the Bible should humble us and should transform us into obedience. And that is really the key of the Christian life. Four, read affectionately. Um, this is a, a love letter. And, and, and we mark in red to find those ways that God intends to, to love us and what he intends to do for us. And the black on ways we can love him. And it's all about love. The, the whole Bible is to stimulate our love for him and to stimulate our ability to understand just how much he loves us. And then number five, to read voraciously. The more you read, the more you uh, delve into, the more you obey, the more you trust God, the, the larger your appetite will become. The healthiest Christians on earth are the, the hungriest Christians. And, and here's the deal. The older I get, I, I have to cut back on my portions uh, physically. I can't eat like I used to. I have to push back from the table. I can't go back for seconds. But spiritually, the, the greater my appetite becomes and the more I can eat, spiritually speaking. Okay, now, in order to understand the Bible, there are five questions. What we're talking about here, remember, is how to read the Bible for all it's worth. There are five questions you should ask every passage. The five are, number one, audience. 
I'm sorry, number one, author, number two, audience, three, type of literature, four, what is the main message the author is trying to communicate to the audience, and five, how is our situation similar to theirs, and what is God therefore saying to us? So that's what it comes down to. Let me review. Author. Um, who, who's, who's writing this? And, and for virtually every book in the Bible, we know who wrote it. Uh, second, the audience. What's the location? What's the historic context? And what's their spiritual condition? Three, what type of literature? Is it history, poetry, prophecy, gospel? Is it a gospel letter? And so forth. And we're going to see that there are 10 types of Bible literature here before we're done, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. But to understand the type of literature. Then the question, the fourth question, this is one of the most important is, what is the main message that the author is trying to communicate? Normally, every book in the, in the Bible it has a primary message, and it's important to recognize that. And then the application, how does our situation a parallel theirs, and therefore, what is God saying to us through this passage? Okay, now, with that as in our understanding, there are seven valid approaches to Bible study, and let me just lay these out for you. Number one is a book study, and that's primary, and that's really the best way to go. Second is a chapter study, nothing wrong with that. Third is a verse-by-verse verse study, or a single-verse study, and frankly, that's my favorite way to preach. Four is a word study. You can pick a particular word like zeal or tithing or prayer and study that through scripture. Fifth is topical, similar to a word study, but on a particular topic like self-worth or you pick your topic the, the worth of every human being, a topic could be hell or eternity, so forth. Number six is a biographical study. You could study the Apostle Paul. You could study um, uh, Ruth in the Old Testament. Anyway, a biographical study. And seven is a combination of the, of the above. Uh, you can study, say, um, praise, which is a word study, in the book of Psalms, which would be a book study. Anyway, okay. Now, in, in the final piece that we want to lay out here, because it's absolutely critical in understanding the Bible and reading it for all it's worth, is there are 10 types of Bible literature. And to understand this helps you uh, uh, hear from God as you're reading along. So uh, these uh, 10 types of Bible literature. Let me lay them out again, and then we'll review. Number one is Old Testament history. Two, laws. Three, wisdom poetry. Four, psalms, or the songs of the Old Testament. Five, Old Testament prophets. Six, gospels, of course, in the New Testament. Uh, seven, parables. Eight, book of Acts. Nine, letters, or what are sometimes called epistles, and 10, the New Testament prophecy, or the book of Revelation. Now, let's go through them again. Number one is Old Testament prophecy. 40% of the Old Testament is narrative, and all these 
narratives have a plot um, with leading characters. A leading characters. So like in the book of Samuel, you've got three leading characters. And Samuel wrote two books. In the, in the Hebrew Bible, it's um, one book. In the Protestant Bible, it's divided into first and second Samuel. But there's three leading characters. There's Samuel, then there's the first king, Saul, and the second king, David. So there's always leading characters. And each book, you'll, you'll see that same uh, play out. And the best way to understand Bible history is certainly to set it in its historic and cultural context. Um, but when you study Old Testament history, it's important to see there are three levels to the history. On the ground level, there's what's happening in people's lives. In the central level, and this is a theme that runs in every uh, Old Testament history book, it's what's happening in Israel's history and how does this play out? There's a significant movement in every Old Testament history book related to Israel's history. So that's the kind of the central level. And then the upper level is God's purposes that are being fulfilled in, in those areas. So those three levels is how to understand this first type of, old te- of Bible literature, which is Old Testament history. Second are the laws. Now, in the Old Testament, there are 600 commandments, a little bit more than that. The 10 basic laws or the 10 commandments are fulfilled in Christ and beneficial to today. Back then, all the laws had uh, significance, but not today. And the best way to, to understand which apply today and which don't is, which are repeated in the Old Testament law by the prophets in the gospels and in the letters of the New Testament. When you look, when you want to properly interpret a law of the Old Testament, you need to look at it in light of four types of, of Bible literature. The law, the prophets, the Gospels, that is, what did Jesus say about it, and the letters of the New Testament. If Jesus and the letters do not reaffirm it, it does not apply today. That's a good uh, guideline that you can count on. The third type is wisdom poetry, and and this is the five books, uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, those five. Those are the wisdom books. Now, the fourth type of literature is the song book of the Old Testament, the book of Psalms. And there are some Psalms included in the history literature as well. These Psalms are songs of the heart. And every human emotion is expressed in the book of Psalms. It's significant. The fifth type are the Old Testament prophets. Now, like today, there are still, the gift of prophecy is still active today as it was back then. But understand, then and now, prophets are not primarily foretellers. They're not, they don't predict the future primarily, although they do that, but not primarily. Primarily, they are foretellers. They clarify truth. They bring truth to the people of God in a timely way. And uh, that's essential to 
understanding the book of, of uh, the books of Old Testament prophecy. Six is the gospels, the four gospels, and they each have the, the this is not pure New Testament history. The gospels have a unique uh, quality to them. And here it is. The uniqueness is, whereas history gives um, a purely objective view of, his, uh, of history, a history book. But the Gospels give pure history, but they also have a particular message and a mission to accomplish for a particular audience. That's essential to understand who, who the author is, what the particular audience is, and what's the particular message of each of the Gospels. Uh, the fourth are parables. Now, parables are unique. They are not simply allegories. Allegories, like, say, Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, has, has points of reference on various levels. The parables, on the other hand, primarily focus on one central message. The eighth is the book of Acts. This is history. It's history of the work of the Holy Spirit. It can be called the book of activation, and it is unique to the New Testament. Nine are the letters or the epistles. And here again, we know every letter had a particular author and a particular audience and a particular message. And those are essential to understand in order to understand the letters. And finally, the book of Revelation. It's the one New Testament prophecy. Now, there are prophecies in every New Testament book, but particularly the book of Revelation. And it's to be studied first in its historic context uh, as being written by a the by the Apostle John, a political prisoner of Rome on the island of Patmos, to the seven churches he helps plant and pastor in what is now modern-day Turkey or what was the seven churches in Asia Minor. And um, it's one of the primary books to understand the return of Christ. Well, I trust this is useful we all want to read the Bible for all it's worth. And I trust that this has been helpful to you. God bless you.